My name is Gage, and you are listening to my very own miniseries called Cryptids and Creatures. For centuries, legends have existed that tell of horrifying creatures stalking humanity. In this series, we'll be exploring the lore surrounding these creatures. Do devils, demons, and monsters actually exist? Or are they simply fragments of our imagination, intertwined with our innate fear of the things that we don't understand? Who knows? By the end of this, you may decide that you actually believe in monsters. That intro kind of wigged me out a little. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. My name is Gage. And I'm Ray. And yes, you are still listening to Gore Report, a true crime podcast. We haven't gone anywhere. Don't let the new intro fool you. This is just (laughs) the first installment of my mini-series. Yay! Yay! Spooky! I'm excited, not excited for this. <laughs> yes, I'm like, I'm like so excited that I'm shaking. But yes, you guys, this is, as I said, the first episode of my mini series called Cryptids and Creatures. Yes. In this series, I'm going to take all of you on a small venture from the true crime path so I can tell you about another field of spook that's always really deeply fascinated me on like, a molecular level. Like, this kind of shit is, like, ingrained in my blood. You just lay in bed and it creeps into your mind? Yes. All the time. Oh, um, no. But that field of spook is cryptozoology. They actually have a name for it? Yes. Yay! No. Cryptids! Cryptids! <laughs> so I'm super excited about it. I love cryptids. I actually, myself, identify as a cryptid. I always have. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's just me. So with this series, it will be fairly random. I don't really plan on consistently making these specific episodes every week. This whole series is just a little mini project of mine, and it's going to be something that's just sprinkled here and there um, in the midst of our normal content. Yeah. And if you like what you hear, not only on this episode, but the rest of our content, then please feel free to leave me and Ray a good review or a good rating wherever you're listening from. We would greatly appreciate it. It definitely helps support the show. It definitely does. But you know, before we dive in, it's like, is our podcast becoming haunted? What? Why? I don't know. There's just... There's so much spook going on, and <laughs> we're about to <laughs> we're about to talk about monsters. the The intro to my own series made me wig out. <laughs> so <laughs> that's got to be a good sign, right? <laughs> I think our podcast is becoming haunted. Beware, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so to dive right in, because this episode is not going to be formatted like our normal ones, so we're doing things a little differently. But in today's episode. We're going to be discussing the lore of not just one, but two cryptids from the state of West Virginia. Ooh. The Flatwoods Monster, and of course, my all-time favorite, Mothman. I knew you were going to do Mothman. Of course I'm going to do Mothman. You already know. I know. You You're already like crazy know. crazy over him. Yes. 
not only am I crazy over him, but I'm like obsessed with him. Like <laughs> I'm going to talk about this a little at the end when we get there, but I've actually been to Point Pleasant not once, but I've been twice. I have hugged the Mothman statue in the middle of Point Pleasant. I have cried in the Mothman Museum. I've never <laughs> wanted to be swept away more by a giant bird-like humanoid creature. I just have this <laughs> vision of you, like, rubbing the Mothman's nipples and going, Oh, daddy, take oh, me away. Oh, God, I didn't get quite like that. <laughs> but I did hug him, and I told him that I loved him, and I believed in him. <laughs> daddy, kill me now. <laughs> but yes, Mothman is my boo, and we're okay. going to do it. We're going to do it. You already know. You guys might want to buckle in, get comfy, grab your snacks, maybe something for your anxiety. (laughs) And prepare to be perplexed or perhaps even spooked. Ooh. Yay, we're going to talk about monsters. (laughs) So the first creature that I'm going to be telling you about is the very famous Flatwoods monster that hails from Braxton County in West Virginia. Okay. The Flatwoods monster is also referred to as the Green Monster, Braxy, the Phantom of Flatwoods, or the Braxton County Monster. Braxy. 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 Okay. (laughs) From here on out, he shall be known as Braxy. (laughs) It makes him a little less intimidating, I think. (laughs) Him, her, whatever this creature may be, we don't know, but Braxy. No, it's very hard for a creature to be intimidating with a nickname like Braxy. (laughs) Well, when you hear the story of Braxy, that feeling might change. Oh. It's unequivocally really fucking spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they just sent me. So the origin of this creature will take us back to the fall of 1952 in the town of Flatwoods, West Virginia. Two people that are at the center of this story are Ed and Fred May. They were brothers about 12 to 13 years old at the time. And the two boys lived in a small home in Flatwoods that was located off a depot street. Ed and Fred were raised by their mother, a woman named Kathleen May, after her and the boy's father divorced. After this divorce, the boy's father moved to Michigan, and Kathleen and her two sons stayed behind in Braxton County. On the evening of September 12, 1952, Ed and Fred May were both playing on the playground that sits in front of Flatwoods Elementary School. They were joined by a couple of other boys that were named Neil Teddy and Tommy. They were all in the 12 to 16 years of age range. Okay. The boys were all just having a good evening playing on this playground when all of a sudden the boys saw what they described to be a quote giant ball of fire that was about the size of a small house. They saw this giant burning ball move across the sky and it seemed to have crashed on the other side of this nearby ridge that was in or nearby the Bailey Fisher farm. This ball of fire is the size of a small house. Yes. A lot of people believe that it was a UFO that the boys saw. I mean, okay, great. UFO, aliens, I'm with it. <laughs> but I, my brain can't get over it. This ball of fire is the size of a small house. Just going across the sky. Yeah. Um, okay. (laughs) The boys said that this glowing ball of fire stopped its forward trajectory on top of this hill, 
and after hovering for a few minutes, it essentially dipped down as if it had landed. Okay. So it didn't necessarily crash or go super fast through the sky, but yeah, it kind of went forward towards this hill, then it hovered over said hill, and then it like dipped down, if that makes sense. Like it landed down. So Ed and Fred said that even after this burning ball of light landed, that they could still see its glowing, pulsating red light from over the crest of the hill. Ed and Fred said, say that 10 times faster. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. You're good. So after the boys saw all of this, they all ran off towards it to see what it was. The home of Ed and Fred May was on the way to their destination. So they stopped in and told their mother, Kathleen, what they saw. And this was when Kathleen, their visiting cousin, uh, Eugene Lemon, he was 17 years old. Okay. And he's also known as Gene, as well as the community dog. He was a dog named Richie. They all decided to join in this investigation. Okay. So, you know, Richie, when I say that he's a community dog, I mean he's basically like a dog that he travels around the area and everyone kind of takes care of him. Yeah. Does that make sense? So Kathleen had gotten Richie and then Gene, and then they joined Ed and Fred and the rest of the boys to go investigate this strange object that crashed. That is some... No. No! But I want to point out, though, like, Kathleen May, what a badass mom, because her kids come in and they're like, oh, shit, mom, I think we just saw a a fucking alien spacecraft crash. (laughs) We need to go look at it. And she's like, all right, bet, let's go. (laughs) All right, grab the dog. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of, like, cool as fuck, honestly. Right. So the group left out and they started walking towards what was then known as the Bailey Fisher Farm. When the group got closer to the site of this strange object, they described that it was releasing a super strong pungent odor that smelled like sulfur. Ooh. Yes. They described the object as a, quote, large metallic pod-shaped craft that was the size of a small house. They said that this object was buried halfway into the earth and that it was emitting a bright orangish-red pulsating light. It is time to go. It is time to go. That's what I'm saying. You've seen enough. It's time to go. Like, if this were me and this story, this story would have been over, like, minutes ago. Because I wouldn't have went to go look at the shit. (laughs) Like, uh, if I see a giant burning ball of light go across the sky and crash, I am not about to go look at it. (laughs) I'm going to go fucking inside. Case open and closed, just like like the door did. Roll credits. That's the end of the story. It goes no further than that. (laughs) So, as the group got closer and closer to this metallic pod-shaped object. They claimed that they could all hear intensely loud hissing noises coming from this object. The overwhelmingly strong scent of sulfur started to burn and irritate their eyes. The general area that this object landed in was also surrounded by a thick, heavy mist, and it was reported that Richie, the community dog, actually ran into this mist. He went off barking at this mystery object. Oh, what's the dog doing? Now, this is sad. I'm going to go ahead and warn you this next part's sad. But uh, after Richie ran towards this object, he runs into the mist. It is said that he started howling and whimpering. And then he ran off down the bottom of the hill, like away from everyone. Richie would later be found dead at the bottom of this hill by the townspeople, and it was said that he was violently and uncontrollably vomiting all over everywhere before he dropped dead. Oh my god. So that's a little sad, 
But yeah, Richie died. So, yeah. This is like a really bad book from the library that I want to return. (laughs) We must persevere. Now, back at the top of this hill, where the rest of the group was at, Ed and Fred said that all of a sudden, this creature emerged from the craft. They described this creature as being anywhere from 10 to 15 feet tall, with two extremely bright lights as eyes. They said that this creature seemed to be suspended in midair as if it was levitating above the earth. I cannot stress this enough, but now it's time to go. Like I said just a few minutes ago, we wouldn't have made it this far with me. We wouldn't have made it this far. Roll credits done. You are seeking of something that I am not seeking. Damn sure right. Seeking of something, something that I will never be seeking. (laughs) I love reading the shit all day long and studying it. Will I ever go look for something like this? No. What the fuck would I do if I found it? (laughs) You know, what would we do? I don't know. I'd probably shit myself amongst other things. But no. Again, seeking of something, something that I am not seeking and never will be seeking. This shit baffles my brain. (laughs) But anyways, back to the sighting of the creature. They said that this creature was just levitating in front of them. They described the head portion of this creature as being shaped like a spade and colored a deep red. And they also described that the creature had these really eerily long, like, arms with sharp claws as hands. This creature was also said to appear as if it was wearing a metallic dress like dress-shaped armor, essentially. And it was colored in various shades of green, red, and black. So Gene Lemon, he shined his flashlight onto the creature, and according to an interview with Kathleen May, she said that when the light hit the creature, it made it, quote, light up like a Christmas tree. And she also went on to say that the creature started making really loud hissing noises, similar to the sound of frying bacon. The creature then started drifting towards them in the air, and then suddenly it shifted its path down towards the side of the hill, and it was flashing its bright beams of lights that it had for eyes all over the surrounding landscape, as if it were making a note of its surroundings or observing the area. And this made the group start screaming. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) And they ultimately ran off. Like, they got the fuck out of there. Finally. Yeah, so pretty scary shit. And get this, because this kind of spooks me a little bit. But three days after this sighting occurred, on September 15th, 1952, the Oakland Tribune published a newspaper that featured a small article titled, quote, Eek! What is that? Red-faced monster scene. So I'm going to read just a small snippet from this newspaper article. If you guys would like to read the full thing, I'll be posting it on our Facebook and Instagram pages. But the beginning of this newspaper article reads as follows, quote, Eyewitness accounts of a tall, glowing monster with the blood-red face skulking in the hills divided Braxton County today into two camps, believers and skeptics. Seven persons said that they saw the unearthly being described as worse than Frankenstein in the hills above Flatwoods, West Virginia, Friday night. State police and a number of residents hooted at the reports as a product of mass hysteria. Police said that the eyewitnesses' guess as to the monster's height varied from 7 to 17 feet. The excitement began when two young sons of Miss Kathy May, a Flatwoods beautician, said that they saw a flying saucer land on C.B. Fisher's farm near here. Like, I am trying to be 
so open-minded right now because not that I'm a skeptic, right? I can talk about UFOs and aliens all day long. Right, right. But I always pictured them to be more organic, I guess. <laughs> and this just sounds like the typical 1950s television show alien. Yeah, it's something from out of this world, truly. And have you seen pictures of the Flatwoods monster? No. Okay, hold on. I'm actually going to just show you real quick. This right here. I know you guys can't see it, but that is the Flatwoods monster. Interesting. <laughs> it's kind of scary looking to me. I mean, I think yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's definitely creepy. It's morbidly beautiful, but also kind of like scary and creepy looking. I don't know. So that newspaper clipping, you know, it intrigued me. Again, if you guys want to read the full thing, I'll be posting that on the social medias. But yeah, this whole thing was a pretty instantaneous shock reaction affecting not only Flatwoods, but also the surrounding communities. And I would like to say, too that this region of West Virginia already had a pretty documented history with UFO sightings well before the Flatwoods monster was seen for the first time. Interesting. Yeah, so this area was an already existing, you know, hotspot for UFO-related happenings and sightings. Like, this whole area was, like, really filled with that. Mm. So that kind of gives a little more ammunition to the story. It's right. like, is it really UFO-related? I mean, we don't know, but... Hundreds of documented sightings in this area of West Virginia, like strange lights in the sky, UFOs going every which way, like all kinds of crazy shit. Right. Well, that type of stuff we're all pretty much on a baseline on. Dozens of people, even in other cases that we covered, have reported seeing lights in the sky. Right, right. I mean, I personally believe. I am a believer. I'm a believer. Um, I want to add, too, that it was reported that just days after the initial Flatwoods monster sighting, that Kathleen May received a letter from the FBI or some other form of the authorities warning her to say nothing about the sighting to anyone. This letter supposedly told her to not only stay quiet, but this letter also tried explaining away what her and her boys saw just days earlier. This letter allegedly tried to tell Kathleen that what she saw was nothing more than just military rocket experimentation. Now, uh, I don't know how true that is. It's just something that's alleged. Well, I would tell the government and the FBI that they can shove that imagination rocket straight up their ass. <laughs> right. I mean, it's spooky. It make, It really makes you wonder because if there is truth to that and she really received this letter basically warning her not to say something. Right. It makes you think, like, why would they not want her talking about it? Why are you trying to cover it up? Exactly. A documentary that I highly recommend about the Flatwoods Monster, um, it's a film by Small Town Monsters, and it's called The Flatwoods Monster Legacy of Fear. It actually has a lot of great information and detail regarding this story, and they also kind of interviewed quite a few people that were involved. And I just think it's really, really good. So I'm going to link that in the show notes for those of you who would like to watch it. I just wanted to throw that in there real quick. Yes. In the years after the first sighting of the Flatwoods monster, it quickly became something that struck both fear and curiosity into the hearts of the local residents. It didn't take long for news outlets to become flooded with reported encounters with this monster. Kathleen May was even flown to New York to be interviewed about the sighting on a TV show called For the People, 
I actually could be very wrong about that, but I think that's what the show was called. Interesting. Yeah, you could say that Kathleen May and this whole story of this creature is what put Flatwoods on the map. And still today, the Flatwoods monster is still a very big part of the local culture in Braxton County. If I'm not mistaken, I actually think that the sign that welcomes visitors into Flatwoods, like one of the signs says home of the green monster. Don't like that. You can even visit the official Flatwoods Monster Museum, which is located in Sutton, West Virginia, which we need to go. After how fun our Houston, Texas trip was, bitch, we're going. I would really, really love to go. I I love Braxy. Braxy's one of my favorite cryptids. I would love to go to the museum. That would just be really cool. So we should definitely try for that. So Kathleen May, she would actually pass away on June 13th, 2009 at the age of 89 years old. But her two sons, Ed and Fred May, are still alive today. And as far as we know, they may be the only surviving people that were present when the famed Flatwoods monster was born. I know it might not sound as logical, but I I believe in this shit. I really love cryptids. I believe that there are things out there that we cannot explain. I believe right. that there are creatures beyond our comprehension. Like, who are we to say? You right. Know? See, but I really believe this shit. I truly do. That's I really, my take really on do. It too. But I don't know. They were talking about, like, the armor and stuff like that. Well, maybe it looked shiny because it might have been wet? That could be a thing. I remember when I watched that documentary that I was telling you guys about just a little bit ago. Ed and Fred may both describe the creature as being mechanical. That it looked like it was mechanical and, like, metallic. Mm -hmm. And that it looked more machine more than anything else. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it kind of creeps me out. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. Then it opens up and you've got the little alien in the control room. <laughs> just just in there partying. <laughs> Braxy is nothing but a vessel. But a vessel for who or what? The answer we will never know. Ooh, I'm chilled to my bone. <laughs> <laughs> That will conclude the story of the Flatwoods Monster. Again, I will be linking that documentary in the show notes if you guys would like to check that out. And now, we can begin discussing my next monster, and personally, my favorite monster, the Mothman. And to begin his story, we only have to travel a little under two hours from Braxton County to the small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Are you ready for the story of Mothman? No. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> you said, no, I'm weirded out. Vibe is not likable. Damn sure isn't. <laughs> so, in November of 1966, two gravediggers were digging graves in a cemetery located in Clendenin, West Virginia. All of a sudden, they saw something that terrified them. A giant brown humanoid bird-like creature with glowing red eyes was peering back at them through the trees. This creature stood roughly seven feet tall with enormous wings. The creature stared at these two gravediggers for a few moments before flying up over the trees and disappearing into the distance. Well, it's a good thing that they were digging a grave because you're going to need one after seeing that shit. (laughs) 
Just a few days later, on November 15, 1966, two young married couples were driving down some back roads in Mason County, West Virginia. The first couple was Roger and Linda Scarberry, and the second couple was Steve and Mary Mallet. Okay. I think it's Mallet or Malay. I don't know. But Malay. I'm just, I'm just gonna say Mallet. <laughs> <laughs> it was around midnight, and they were all driving near the site of the abandoned former World War II munitions plant, which was also referred to as the TNT area. Oh. Yeah. This area was roughly 3,700 acres of dense wood and isolated farmland. And loads of mines. There were even underground bunkers on the site that supposedly still held explosives. Wait, did I just actually call that just now? I think you did. Oh. <laughs> so as Robert, Linda, Steve, and Mary all drive past this abandoned plant, they suddenly see something standing in the road. Initially, Robert thought this was a man standing in the middle of the road, so he slowed down and tried to get a better look. And that is when they all saw it. An enormous, bird-like humanoid that stood roughly six to seven feet tall. This creature had enormous wings that folded over its back, along with big, glowing red eyes. The creature didn't seem to have arms, and it almost appeared headless. When Robert flashed his headlights onto the creature, the creature awkwardly moved off the road, headed towards the abandoned plant. I don't like this. With everyone in the car terrified, Robert slammed the gas, and they started speeding off. They thought they were safe, but that feeling of safety did not last very long. They noticed that this creature was now chasing them down the road, flying extremely close to the car. They said that this creature had a wingspan of at least 10 feet with glowing red beams of light for eyes. This creature kept up with their car, even though at one point Robert was going about 95 to 100 miles per hour speeding towards town. Yeah, <laughs> the look on the, your face. The level of discomfort. So right before they entered town, they all heard an extremely loud screeching noise that was described as sounding like metal scraping against metal. And when the four of them finally did reach town, they pulled over and saw that the creature was nowhere to be found. Mm. He said, great, stay gone. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Jeepers Creepers. I know how this ends. So Linda, she was in the front passenger seat of the car and she had gotten a pretty good look at the creature. The whole experience had really shaken her up and she wanted to immediately make a police report about the incident. Robert and everyone else in the group, however, knew that no one would believe their story. So the group talks it out for a few minutes and then they decide to go back to the abandoned munitions plant. You guys are dummies. Again, this story would have ended minutes ago for me in credit. Right. Like in credits, roll the credits. Like I'm not going back. The lights in the theater, come on. <laughs> so they drive down those dark back roads until they finally reach the plant again, and then they stop the car. And it was here that they all spotted the creature for a second time. It was standing before them, making that same screeching noise that I described earlier. Only this time, the screeching was so loud that it actually was hurting everyone's ears. 
Well, your ears wouldn't hurt if you didn't go back. <laughs> right. You're just so over it. You I'm, said, I do not understand. I don't. Why would you... <laughs> listen. Listen. <laughs> so they spotted the creature for a second time. The creature turned towards the car and expanded its enormous wings. It stayed within the beam of headlights for only a few moments before it turned and flew off into the woods. The group then sped away from the plant and headed back into town. And they all unanimously decided to report the sighting to the Mason County Sheriff's Office. And thus, this became the first documented sighting of the creature we now know to be the Mothman. Hmm. So this Mason County deputy actually knew these two couples and he believed both of them to be honest. He decided to separate everyone and he had each person write a statement pertaining to what they had seen. He also asked each person to draw a rough sketch of the creature. And I don't know if maybe he did this to see if their stories would match up, like if the details would match up mm -hmm. or what, but this is what he did. So they all wrote their statements, they drew their sketches, and when the deputy collected and read everything, all of the details matched up pretty accurately between the four people. And all four sketches were all very, very similar as well. They all depicted a seemingly headless, giant, humanoid, bird-like creature with big wings and red eyes. I would be so done. <laughs> like, If I was the sheriff, I'd be like, you know what? Thanks for coming in. This sounds like an issue, not an ish me. Right. <laughs> right. Don't come in here with that bullshit. So after the sketches and the statements were turned in, this is when the sheriff decided to accompany the group to go back to the abandoned munitions plant for a third time. <sighs> and at this point in time, it was around 2 a.m. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> uh. So when the plant was reached, the group found what appeared to be large, hoof-shaped footprints on the ground. They also reported seeing shadowy apparitions moving in the trees. But the creature was nowhere to be found. When the group tried to leave the site, it was said that a giant dust cloud appeared out of nowhere and blocked their way. And then Linda's ears started bleeding. The group then started to hear that extremely loud screeching noise. And with everyone becoming very panicked, the group eventually freaked out, got into their cars, and they all sped back into town. In the days after this encounter, Linda actually had to be treated for shock. It turns out that Linda had suffered a concussion, and the doctor told her that a concussion could happen from a drastic change in air pressure. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how he tried to write it off, but Linda was not having it. She was convinced that her injuries were caused by the mysterious creature. Okay, so I'm with the story. I'm with you. But, like... Maybe he hit such a high frequency with that screech yes, that yes. it busted her eardrum. Well, that's what Linda believed when she said that this concussion was caused by the creature. That's specifically what she means is how it, you know, hurt everyone's ears, the loud screeching that it was making. But also, bitch, this all could have been avoided. <laughs> <laughs> you said we could have fucking prevented this, you know? <laughs> you know, that's I'm just shaking my head. So you're telling me that you don't want to get wet, but you're going to jump in the pool not one, not two, but, but three, three times. times. 
So in the days and weeks after the signing, citizens of Mason County grew into a fit of mass hysteria over this creature. People were terrified. The citizens of Point Pleasant even reached a point where they were not letting their kids out to play after dark. People are absolutely terrified of this giant bird-like creature. They're thinking, oh shit, if our kids are outside, it can just swoop down and grab the kids. Like, this whole town kind of like... Hide your cows, hide your chickens. (laughs) And hide your kids, because Mothman (laughs) is out here snatching up everybody. (laughs) So people were so terrified of this. That mass hysteria... That's not an exaggeration. This town was terrorized by this creature. Yeah. So sightings of the creature as well as strange lights being seen in the sky were being reported almost every day afterwards. And due to a consistent description of this creature containing giant, seemingly fuzzy wings and glowing red eyes, the creature was then named the Mothman. Some locals in Point Pleasant today also refer to Mothman as the Big Bird, the Mason County Monster, or the Bird. So those are some other names that the locals call Mothman. There's even an old Mason County newspaper clipping that referred to the creature as the UFO Bird. Oh. If you remember what I was saying earlier about this whole area of West Virginia, Point Pleasant is less than two hours from Braxton County, where the Flatwoods monster happened. Yeah. So this whole area is plagued with UFO activity, and then you have Braxy, and then in the days after the Mothman sighting, you had people reporting that they were seeing strange lights everywhere. Like, so there's some, yeah, there's some extraterrestrial, like, vibes going on here. A lot of people think that Mothman and Braxy are both you know aliens i did not tie that together until you said that and then i was like is it a chimera because like you're talking about hooves and wings and moth but yet bird right i mean it's a lot but you know the ufo connection with this area is kind of it's kind of spooky it kind of gives a little ammunition to the story like i said chill to the bone So, get this shit, because this is where the story of Mothman starts kicking up to me, in my opinion. But Linda reported that over the first week after the sighting, that she received constant phone calls where she could only hear disembodied voices on the other line. She also reported hearing voices, like, off of the phone, and she also reported seeing objects move on their own. Linda also said that she received visits from literal men in black suits that would ask her about the encounter and ask her about details regarding what she had seen. Like, yeah, men in black, like the movie Men in Black. But the men in black are, like, apparently a thing. Yeah. Like, they're really... They really They're really exist. out here, yeah. And, you know, this whole claim from Linda, it actually blows my mind because not only with what you just said, but in this short documentary that I watched about Mothman, um, it's a documentary by Real History on YouTube. I'll also be linking that in the show notes. Okay. But they said in this documentary that in the weeks after the first documented sightings, that there were literal men in black suits seen randomly popping up all over Mason County, just out of nowhere, asking the locals about the creature sightings. Isn't that fucking crazy? Like, if there is truth to that, and these men in black suits were literally asking people about this sighting, and they were trying to get Linda to hush up, 
that just blows my mind. Man, that's crazy. You know what they say, like how they use movies and stuff like that to introduce us to certain storylines and things to normalize it so it's not so scary when it really does happen. Yeah. It's, you know, that's yeah. really a thing. And yeah. yeah so. <laughs> that makes me even more uncomfortable. So now we have this, you know, not even with just Mothman, but also Braxy, we have this connected UFO activity that's just wild in this area. And then in the weeks and days after this documented sighting of Mothman, you have literal men in black suits popping up randomly just asking the locals. That just trips me out. It trips me out. I love how you got the duality of us throughout this entire episode going, you would not find me there, but yet we're going to go there, Gage. (laughs) (laughs) I've contradicted myself, it seems. (laughs) I am ashamed. But as I was saying a little earlier, if this claim from Linda is true and these men in black suits were just popping up everywhere and they were trying to shut her up, well, it didn't work. The police report had already been filed and the police had already spoke to the local news station. It was maybe one to two days after the police report was officially made that Robert and the rest of the group were interviewed by the Point Pleasant Register. And in this interview, Robert said that he felt the need to come forward about what he had seen because he was not the only one who had seen it. Robert said that if he had witnessed this creature alone, he wouldn't have said anything. Robert said he knew it was real because him and three other people witnessed it together and it scared the shit out of them. The best thing that the group could describe this creature as to make it make sense to other people was an angel. Oh. Creepy. So, 10 days after the first documented sighting, on November 22, 1966, the Herald Dispatch published a newspaper article titled, quote, Mason Bird Monster Presumed Gone Now, end quote. And I believe this was maybe an attempt to calm the locals, because like I described earlier, people were really freaking out about this, like, hardcore So I'm going to read a small snippet from this newspaper article for you all. If you would like to read the full article, I will, of course, be posting it on our Instagram and Facebook pages. The article reads, quote, Authorities here have concluded that the so-called Mason County monster was a large bird of some kind and either has been or soon will be frightened out of the McClintic Wildlife Station area by hunters. It was a week ago today that the first sighting was reported of a large red-eyed winged creature in the McClintic area. Since then, there have been about 10 or more similar reports. The latest report was by four teenage youths who said that they saw a large bird with red eyes fly away from their car at a very high speed, and this was at 3 a.m. Sunday. Monday was the first day of open deer hunting season in the McClintic Reserve and Chief Deputy Millard Halstead of the Mason County Sheriff's Office said that the influx of hunters undoubtedly would bring any large bird out in the daylight. All monster sightings have been at night. Dwayne Persley, wildlife biologist and manager at McClintic, believes that small game hunters which have numbered about 200 a day over McClintic's 2,450 acres would have flushed any such bird out earlier. He said that he didn't think a large bird, if it did exist, would stay in the area more than a day with all the commotion and hundreds of people searching at night for it.
Yeah, I'm definitely getting the vibe that this was just posted to calm the locals down. That's what I think, too. The newspaper was basically like, hey, all you locals, don't be afraid. Let your kids out at night to play. Do what you do. The hunters around the area, we will take care of this giant, big, humanoid, brown bird angel creature. (laughs) And y'all have no reason to worry. But the funny thing is, is that they didn't fix it. In fact, it got worse. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just the the onslaught of the very dismissive type of, oh, it's such a little thing. No, in fact, this is a very big fucking thing. <laughs> They're trying to keep the peace. And like I just said, even though I was joking about it, I was very serious at the same time. The sightings did not stop. Like, they kicked up heavily you had mothman here mothman there (laughs) like everywhere people were seeing mothman oh my god this whole little town was just plagued over the next 13 months over 100 individual reports were made in which people were seeing mothman again this hysteria was really gripping people but if you think about it that's 100 individual people who claimed that they saw this creature They're all describing it virtually the same. They're all seeing this creature in the same general area. I mean, that's a lot. And personally, not just because Mothman is like my favorite being in the world. I truly think that there's truth in this. Yeah. Because a hundred people seeing virtually the same thing in the same manner, describing it the same way in the same area. That's a little hard to fabricate. Right. You know what I'm saying? So on November 27th, 1966, a woman named Connie Carpenter called police saying that she had been scared to death by an encounter with a, quote, giant bird-like humanoid creature with glowing red eyes like the devil. Oh, wow. Connie was on her way home from a church service when all of a sudden this giant flying creature descended upon her. The creature landed in front of her car and glared at her with its beaming red eyes. Connie told police that even though the creature had flown away, that she still felt like she was being watched by it. The whole experience traumatized her, and I mean, I have no trouble believing that, because if I saw a giant flying fucking humanoid bird creature with red eyes literally fly and then get in front of my car, I would quite honestly shit myself. Right. And get this, it's also said that just like Linda that Connie also had men in black suits visit her, warning her to never speak about what she had seen. I wonder, because these guys are getting involved, I wonder if Mothman was some sort of government experiment or that something, got out. Yeah, something that wasn't supposed to get out. I mean, I could see it. I mean, he's around a military base. Yeah, that abandoned plant. Like, it's, yeah. it's weird. Someone got some splaining to do. Like, again, if this is true, like, if there is some level of truth to this, then that truly adds something to the story. It really, really does. There's even another reported Mothman encounter in which a contractor uh, said that his German shepherd went missing after running into the woods. This dog was chasing a, quote, again, large winged humanoid creature with eyes that resembled bright red bicycle reflectors. That was nothing but meals on wheels at that point. (laughs) I mean, just gone. That's sad. Yeah, I don't think he ever got his dog back. 
A shoes salesman in Point Pleasant named Tom Yuri reported that he had also seen a giant winged creature with glowing red eyes while he was driving past the abandoned munitions plant. He described that the creature, quote, took off like a helicopter and then flew in circles in the sky as if it were a vulture waiting on its prey to die. Yeah, don't like that. Yeah, he said that he was terrified that this creature was going to grab him up through his windshield or something. <laughs> like he was not with it. Nobody's really with it. Another thing that was commonly reported by people who had seen the Mothman was a feeling of confusion and a sense of impending doom and dread. And their eyes would become irritated after seeing the creature as well. Almost as if sandpaper was being rubbed against their eyes. Ow. The people that reported seeing Mothman also claimed that they were receiving really creepy phone calls like Linda did. Calls in which they could only hear disembodied voices and screeching on the other line. And a lot of this, if you think about it, like a lot of these symptoms and reports, it kind of does parallel UFO activity. Like what people experience after having encounters with aliens. Yeah. And during the time that all of this was going on, again... There was a surplus of UFO sightings as well. Like a surplus, a very heightened amount of supernatural activity. Creepy shit. I don't like this. So the Mothman hysteria finally reached a climax after he was spotted by several people flying above a bridge in Point Pleasant just days before it collapsed. People were really panicking. And this feeling of impending doom that everyone was having was also getting increasingly stronger. So this bridge in Point Pleasant was called the Silver Bridge. And this bridge crossed the Ohio River and it connected West Virginia and Ohio. Okay. It would be on December 15th, 1967 that the tragedy of the Silver Bridge took place. That day, traffic lights were malfunctioning all over Point Pleasant. This caused an abnormally large backup in traffic, and people were trying to cross over the Silver Bridge. Mm -hmm. The Silver Bridge, just like the rest of the town, was particularly backed up that day. And it was right before 5 p.m. that the bridge started to shake. Oh, Lord. Truck drivers, people getting off of work that day, just everyone was crossing this bridge trying to get home. A young pregnant woman named Charlene Wood was just about to cross the bridge when she noticed the increasingly violent shaking. It gave her a feeling in her gut and in a split decision she backed her car up off the bridge as far as she could. Charlene said that she started to hear loud snapping and crashing like something was exploding. Oh shit. And after she heard the one final blast... It would be over the next 60 seconds that this entire bridge crumbled before her eyes. The drop-off was literal feet in front of her car. Wow. I would have again. That's a theme here. I would have shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) So 31 of the 37 cars that were on the Silver Bridge that day plummeted 146 feet into the freezing water beneath the bridge. 46... Of the 64 people that were dropped into the water that day died. Ooh. And nine more were seriously injured. Wow. It took months to recover all of the bodies out of the water. And it's still said that even today, there are bodies in the river due to people never being recovered from this accident. Oh, man. The Silver Bridge tragedy has gained the title of the most deadly bridge disaster in U.S. history. And it was later found out 
that the cause of this collapse was a crack on one of the supporting beams that was literally only three millimeters deep. Wow. But now get this, because this is where, like, the image of Mothman or the lore of Mothman or what people believe him to be, this is kind of where some fuel gets added. But not everyone believed that this accident was caused by a simple engineering defect. People started to blame Mothman for the tragedy. It came out that Mothman was seen by numerous people flying over the Silver Bridge just days before it collapsed. It made people start to think that maybe Mothman was some sort of angel of death. Yeah. Or an unholy bringer of misfortune and disaster. But there's another side to this. If you take into account that these people had an increasingly growing feeling of doom leading up to the bridge collapse, and that feeling was only acquired after they saw Mothman, then I don't know. What if Mothman was actually trying to warn these people of the impending disaster? Yeah. The other half of people that don't believe Mothman was responsible for the accident, the people that don't believe that Mothman is, you know, a demon or demonic or something of that nature. The other half believed just that, that maybe he was just trying to warn people of the impending bridge incident 13 months before it actually took place. Wow. Because that's when Mothman appeared in Point Pleasant was 13 months before this happened. And the whole thing is still shrouded in mystery. Ultimately, we won't really know. But a theory with Mothman, like the mass hysteria and people collectively having this feeling of disaster, a lot of people say that Mothman was actually bringing a warning and he was telling people through, like, joined vision. Wow. Yeah, and then he was seen over the Silver Bridge flying in circles just days before this happened. Yo! So there's, like, two whole sides of this. You have... One group of people that are like, you know, Mothman is the devil. He's a demon. He brought this disaster. He was cursed. And then you have the other half of people that are like, maybe he's an angel that was warning us this was going to happen 13 months before it happened. He was giving us the joined sense that something was wrong. Yeah. Where a lot of people have this thing about fearing something that they don't understand. And because they don't understand it and that fear grows then it's met with hostility. Yeah. You know, so that's why a lot of these people think that he's a demon because they are just so consumed with fear of the unknown who this is. Yeah. You know, like... And then you, and then you take into account how Mothman, you know, is alleged to look like a seemingly headless, 7 to 14 feet tall bird-winged creature. Like, that's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's pretty scary. That doesn't make him bad, but... I'm making that point on what you're saying that that also ties into the image that people had of him. Of yeah. course, they're going to be scared shitless. Yeah, whereas this could just be, you know, say, for instance, a, I mean, I'm really going into left field here, but say he's a military experiment that got out and he knows nothing of this world and yet he's being met with all this hostility and freak out and he doesn't you know yeah he doesn't know what to do and then i don't know i'm on the side of the fence where i believe that maybe he was trying to warn the people i don't see mothman as a evil or malicious entity i truly don't i see him as a big old fuzzy baby that just wanted to tell people hey bitches your bridge is going down 13 months you have 13 months 
Get your shit together. That's just kind of what I feel from it. I don't know, but it kind of divided this town a little bit because you had people that are like, angry mob, rah, 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 you're of the devil. And then you have the other half that are like, maybe he was trying to warn us this whole time. We don't know. So the terrifying instances that took place in 1966 has forever imprinted on the town of Point Pleasant. To this day, Mothman is still a huge part of the local culture there. In 2003, a sculptor named Bob Roach even erected a stainless steel Mothman statue complete with giant ruby red eyes that still sits in the center of town today. Is that the one you hugged on? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's awesome. A famous author who stayed in Point Pleasant studying the Mothman phenomenon, John Keel, actually wrote a book about the Mothman that would later be turned into a movie about the creature called The Mothman Prophecies. Oh. Yeah. I've actually never seen that. I've never either. I've heard of it because when I went to Point Pleasant, uh, they had posters for it all over the museum and stuff. I've never watched it. We should actually probably watch that today just because we did this episode. Yeah. Maybe we should check that out. You have that movie, and then right around the block from the Mothman statue also sits the official Mothman Museum. As nice. I just mentioned, and let me tell you, it's fucking awesome. Like, Point Pleasant is so awesome. I stayed in the historic low hotel that's mm -hmm. in Point Pleasant, and it's right in the center of town, so in the room that I was in. I could literally look out my window and see the Mothman statue, like oh, the Mothman awesome. monument. And it's directly across the street from the Mothman Museum. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun. The museum is really, really cool. I actually have several t-shirts from that museum. You've seen me wear them. <laughs> it's just really, really fun. If you guys ever want to get a taste of Mothman or just seeing the statue or just getting a vibe of the town, I highly recommend going. Honestly, I plan on going back, and I want you to be with me next time I go. I will definitely go. Oh, yeah, we'll make our death fun. We will, if we're greeted with some 14-foot alien metal armor dress creature named Braxy, or if we get met by the seemingly headless giant humanoid bird mothman, I think we'll make it fun. I am not calling it Braxy. <laughs> Anyways, the trip was literally fucking awesome. I think you guys should go and check it out. I'm totally down. And before we close out this episode, Ray, now yes. that you've listened to all that I have to say, I got one question. What? Do you believe? I believe, but I'm scared. And that concludes the first episode of Cryptids and Creatures, the I, Flatwoods Monster and Mothman. I quite enjoyed myself. Wasn't this so much fun? It was. I'm actually... Uh, I'm so hyped for this. Like I said, it's not going to be something that I do every week. This is just going to be sprinkled in between our normal content. But I'm like really pumped up for this. I yeah, really like it. Yeah, because all the true crime cases that we cover are horrendous. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if we tell you to go listen to a less traumatizing episode. <laughs> all of our episodes all are traumatizing. Them. Right. So, you know, this sprinkled in here and there is a nice break. I like it. And I agree with you. And I hope you guys feel the same. I hope you also enjoyed my first snippet here of talking about some spooky creatures. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And now I'm going to be awake for a very long time over this. <laughs> if you guys would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird will, congratulations, you can do that. 
You can find us on Facebook at Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram at Gore Report Podcast. And on Twitter and Gore Report. And don't forget our email, GoreReportPod at gmail.com. And to all of you listening, my final question for you is Do you believe? <laughs>